I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. It's Joe Polish and no Dean Jackson. Uh, Dean Jackson is not here with me today, and I am literally in a hotel room, as weird as that sounds, with a very special uh, guest and friend of mine, Mr. Brendan Burchard. That's right, Brendan Burchard. So um, we just not got... that it's weird. We're in a hotel room together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> We're just here for recording purposes. He has his own room. I mean, like, no, there's none of that weirdness. So, uh, Brendan, um, you are a pretty well-known guy in the expert industry, as as I think you've kind of even call it that. And Brendan is, uh, I you invented know, the industry. You know. Well, let's. <laughs> Yeah, of course you did, and the internet. Well, we just spent uh, we just spent the afternoon with uh, Peter Diamandis, and we had a, uh, a meeting uh, with uh, the CEO of YouTube at the YouTube headquarters, Sala, and uh, it was a pretty good meeting. And uh, Peter Diamandis is an awesome dude, and uh, we've got all kinds of cool stuff going on. And me and you have spent quite a bit of time uh, together. And uh, you are a very sharp marketer, um, businessman. And you literally are training, uh, you've trained tens of thousands, maybe the hun- hundreds of thousands of range of, of people. So who the heck is Brendan Bouchard? What do you do? Uh, you know, I guess my, my claim to fame is that I teach people how to share their how-to advice and wisdom with the world. So you're someone who's been through a life experience or you're looking to monetize your knowledge or experience or wisdom in any area of life, whatever the topic is. And you're trying to figure out, well, how do I get paid for it? And how do I share it with the world to make a difference? And traditionally, the answer for that is, well, you write a book on it, or you become a speaker, or you do seminars, or you do online marketing, or you uh, become a coach or a consultant. And my job is to say, whatever your message is, let's teach you how to monetize it and reach more people with it. And so from that route, I started Experts Academy, and now we teach more people than anyone else in the world comprehensively how to succeed in each of those areas. Okay, cool. And you, uh, you, you've now got four books. And at the time we're actually doing this recording, your newest book is about to come out. So let's kind of go through uh, some of the books and topic areas. And I'm going to uh, ask you some strategic questions on how to market, um, how to make money. And for all of our listeners who, you know, many are entrepreneurs, many are uh, in definitely roles where their income and revenue is uh, based on their ability to produce results and so how people can just simply be more effective. So let's kind of go through, you know, some of your, you know, life experience, I guess. Yeah. Uh, cool. So yeah, four books. Uh, never imagined that. The first one was sort of an accident and then the rest have been pretty strategic and on purpose, <laughs> on purpose. Um, you know, my story starts when I was a 19 year old kid and I was in an accident and I got in a car accident and it helped me realize what was important in life. It forced me to ask three basic questions, which are kind of my message. I think everyone should develop like, what's your message in life? If you can tell the world anything, what would it be? And the car accident inspired mine was because after I was surviving and 
healing from that accident, I learned that we all ask three basic questions in life. We all ask, did I live? You know, as in like, did I live fully and vibrant? That's why I'm passionate and weird and enthusiastic. Yeah, and you are. About anyone, everything, yeah, you're, right? you're, you're very yeah. enthusiastic and uh, yeah. almost <laughs> to the point of like, it's very kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, but it's true. No. It's like, that, that's where I come. I'm, I'm like, you know what? I know at the end of my life, I'm going to say, you know, did I really live? And did I have fun? And was I free to express myself? And I mean, did I really enjoy life? And right. that's such a, I know you're that way too. I mean, it's like, it's such a huge part of me that I look for reasons to have fun. Right. Um, the second question I learned that we we're going to ask is, did I love? Which is why we're in hotel right now. Um, <laughs> no, it's like, uh, my wife will love this one. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, you um, you know, did, I finally met her. I mean, at least she's real. You know, I, I, I kind of questioned that for a while. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really forced me, at, you know, again, the accident, I was 19. I'd just come out of the first breakup. I never really had that really affected my identity. This was a woman I thought I was going to get married to. Um, our relationship fell apart in college. And then I had my accident and it made me think about that relationship. It made me think about every relationship in my life and think about, well, who's going to miss me? Who am I going to miss? So did I love, did I love openly and honestly and completely? And the third thing I learned standing on top of a crumpled hood of a car after I escaped it after the crash was, you know, looking down at my body and seeing all this blood and realizing that we'll all ultimately ask this last question in life of, did I matter? You know, did I make a difference? Maybe I didn't change the entire world, but you know, did I change somebody's world? And at that point in my life, I was a young sort of directionless young guy, 19 years old. You don't know you're supposed to be making a difference. I didn't, I, I mean, you know, you hear about it, but I really didn't think about life legacy. And that was the first thing. And it was sort of a Virgil's quote. I don't know if you ever heard that quote. Um, the quote is death twitches my ear live. He says, I am coming. Hmm. You realize the inevitable is death is going to come. And when it comes for me, I rounded a corner and it, and it snuck up on me a little bit and I escaped. But in that escape, I learned the questions that we'll all ask. And we will definitely wonder those three questions for the last 16 years. I spent time with people in hospices um, towards the end of their life and every single person I've ever met towards the end of their life, if they had a blessing of a conscious thought before going into that situation, they wonder questions like these about living and loving and mattering. And so that was my message. And I wanted to get it out to the world. And cause you know, I came back from that experience, a completely transformed man. I used to be fairly, you know, fairly nervous around people. I had a little bit of a shy element, believe it or not. I was, you know, I was, uh, I definitely had, um, concerns about expressing myself and, and, and being as loud and bold as I wanted to be, mm -hmm. you know? And mm -hmm. after that, I said, you know what, screw it. I'm, I'm not going to dial it back anymore. I'm going to live life full out because I only have this opportunity. I wanted to feel the charge of living a fully engaged life. And so I made that my decision to do that in that process. You know, I went back to college and I was so out there and, and so joyously living my life that what happens is to those who are the most enthusiastic people follow. And because I was so enthusiastic, all these other students started following me and in the groups I was in, I, I sort of became the natural quote unquote leader in all these situations. So I started studying leadership and communication so I could be more effective. And long story short is when I was in grad school, you had to come up with a professional project. And my professional project was studying leadership communication. And they said, Brendan, write a 
you know, write something for our students here. So I wrote this little handbook, put it in a binder called the Student Leadership Guide. And then I took a job in corporate America down here in San Francisco, where we're at now. And I started uh, doing leadership consulting at major organizations around the world. One day, about three years into that, I get this call. Are you Mr. Brendan Burchard? Yes. Well, I'm so-and-so representative at so-and-so university. We are using our, your book to train our students on leadership. We're wondering if you'd come out and speak to us. And I said, I don't have a book on leadership. <laughs> and they said, no, no, I have it right here. It's awesome. I said, what are you talking about? Well, what I come to find is the advisor at this university had printed it and was taking it to different groups around the country and sort of photocopying like a monkey and handing it out to people and finally thought, we can make money on this. So they printed it, they put it, they bound it and they started selling it. That's funny. Then I started getting the calls. And the funny thing is I didn't know about this industry where people get paid for their knowledge and, you know, as speakers or consultants or whatever. And so I turned down all these schools who'd call and ask 30 some schools I turned down in the course of, you know, maybe six, seven months. And then finally, this one school calls and says, what our students are really passionate. Everyone loves this book. Two, most schools will only pay you $2,500. We'll pay you $7,500 to come out. And I didn't hear the $7,500. I heard $2,500 times 30 that I turned down. And I thought, wait, this is, this can pay as much as my career. What are you talking about? And I wanted to experience this thing. So I went and I spoke to the students. I was so passionate about it. I had so much fun on that Monday. I came back. I come back to my real job. Everyone said, dude, you're lit up. What, what were you doing this weekend? I said, I was speaking to these kids. I'm like, God, you're so fired up. And I thought, I am fired up. And I made $7,500 this weekend. I said, there's a career of me out there speaking somewhere that I would really enjoy. I know it would make a difference clearly because, you know, the students loved it. And that's what got me in the industry of offering my advice and knowledge and wisdom out to the world. First through speaking, then through live events then through books, tapes, CDs, programs, now online courses and, and bigger seminar formats. Well, yeah. So now you run a multi-million dollar business and you um, you basically wrote uh, Life's Golden Ticket, which came out of uh, the experiences of your car accident. Yeah, because I realized what I'd been given. I mean, there was a moment that I was standing on the hood of this car and I was watching the blood drain off my body under the hood of the car and I felt life draining away. And I just happened to look down and there was this glint in my blood and it made me look up and there was this huge, beautiful moon. I mean, that's my famous moment. I share it all the time on all my stages. I just, and it was this huge, beautiful moon and it sort of, I didn't have an out of body connect, you know, experience. I mean, if anything, I felt more connected than I'd ever felt my entire life. I mean, totally engaged. Mm -hmm. But in that moment, I felt like the big guy had reached down and handed me life's golden ticket. You know, here you go, kid. You're still alive. You can still love, and now you better start making a difference because now you know the clock is ticking. Let me ask you a question about that because you hear stories from the stage where people, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here for a moment. Yeah. I know you well enough to where I think I can maybe, uh, you know, and this is not part, part of the, uh, the, the planning of the interview here. Yeah. Now, all of this went through your head during this period of time, like your life flashes in front of you when someone gets in those sort of – and I've not had that experience. So when yeah. I hear certain things like that, I was like, well – did you change history in your mind looking back and these are the reflections that you pieced together or did all of this occur during that? I mean, you're literally on the hood of a crumpled up car. You're bleeding. Yeah. Uh, and this is going through your head. Yeah. No, all, all that happened. Uh, but to your point of did some of it change? Yes. In a sense that 
when I experienced them, they were emotional sensations of those questions. Okay. It was like, uh, for example, I remember having this, 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 this mental thought and this physical thing of like, Oh my God, I'm not ready to live life. And I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, not to, I'm, I'm not ready to die. It was like, <gasps> you know, you brace before a car accident and the fear that shoots through you is really this question of, am I ready? Am I ready to go? Is this it? And the thought that comes beyond it on the second you know, tier is, did I live? You know, so later on I did later on, I put the questions to the emotional sensations. When I smacked my head on the car as we started flipping in the air off this highway at 85 miles an hour, and I started seeing images of people I loved, as I was seeing those images, I felt the sense of regret. And it, it was this, it was an emotional sensation. And what that regret really was, and in reflection later on was, I was thinking about, did I love? You know, did I love these people enough? They're going to miss me, I'm going to miss them. And then when I hit the ground, and then I was, uh, you know, got knocked out when I come to uh, Kevin, who was driving the car with my friend, he managed to get himself outside the driver's side window. Uh, I can't get up my side because the window frame, everything smashed out on top of me. So I pull myself out through the front of this car, which there's you know, the windshield's a couple inches high now. The whole car is crumpled down on top of me. And when I pull up out of this thing, I end up standing up on the hood blood everywhere. And that was the one question I did ask when I remember looking down, I felt life draining away. I just thought, did I matter? Hmm. I mean, it was literally in my head, that question. So I think the first two questions, like full disclosure. Yeah. I think that they were later on. I put the conceptual understanding what was going in my body and I put it into words of, did I live and did I love and did it matter? Do you, what, you know, what are your thoughts on why does it usually take some hitting bottom, some near-death experience, some complete upheaval of life, a divorce, a, a disease, a losing of something. You know, because much of stuff uh, that, that are breakthroughs don't come out of someone gaining or inspirational moments. They come out of tragedy. They come out of loss. They come mm-hmm. out of near death. I mean, mm-hmm. why? Hmm. Uh, I, th- you know, it's a great question. I think at the end of the day, it's, we take things for granted. That's it. I mean, I think we're an incredibly blessed species. I think we live in a time that is so abundant and so opulent and so incredible that no previous generation could possibly fathom what we currently have. But we're all so busy with our day planners and our to-do lists and our checklists humming through the busyness of life that sometimes, bam, it's something that interrupts that, that makes us look around and go, oh my God, what am I about? What am I for? What do I care about? You know, I've just been running along. And often too, as you develop more success and more skills, you know, success and skills also lead to deep ruts of routine. Right. And sometimes some bops you out of that rut and out of that routine. And now you're up on the edges and you can kind of look around and get perspective and realize what's important and where you've been. And it's just those times don't have to come from tragedy. Those times usually come from perspective. That perspective can be gifted to you either by an awakening you have sitting on top of a mountain, just reflecting about your life. The challenge is most people don't reflect about their life unless something causes the reflection. So you make it a daily practice. Well, maybe not daily, but you make it a regular practice. Yeah, I mean, good good insight. You can go through a car accident that's forced upon you, or you could go to Lifebook, mm-hmm. and it's a situation that makes you purposely reflect. There's nothing in the magic of one or the other, it's just that, that, that occasion 
of forcing the reflection. Most people, the reflection is forced on by tragedy. Some people it's by triumph, but ultimately if it's by choice, then you end up getting in a place where you start making real decisions about what your life is going to be about. And that's where transformation comes from. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, what ended up leading you down the path of where you are now? So you started, I mean, it sounds in a lot of ways like you accidentally figured out that people are willing to pay for knowledge while you're working a regular job yeah. in corporate America. Yeah. And uh, you like, wow, you, you made this sort of discovery. So you pursued this space. And so talk a little bit about where that's taking you. I mean, what ended up happening when you wrote a book? Because what, what I really want to do for the, the purpose of our listeners is one of the things me and Dean constantly talk about. And maybe there'll be a follow-up interview with uh, me, you, and Dean, or maybe you and Dean at some point, because you got a lot of cool stuff going on. And I, I will say that if this is your first introduction to Brendan, I mean, this guy has a, a very expansive knowledge about a lot of... Uh, business building things, um, our listeners, you know, we, we constantly talk about education-based marketing, about getting your message out there. And, you know, your, your, your book after life goal and life's golden ticket was the millionaire messenger. Yeah. And w- w- what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, well, the millionaire messenger is that we all have a message that we're trying to convey, making us messenger. You might be conveying a message about your business or about your life or about a certain, um, thing that you want people to know about. And my argument is that we can all become, literally, I believe everyone can become a millionaire by offering advice, guidance, and information to the world in one of the five main modalities that we teach, you know, in the information business, which is, you know, books, seminars, speeches, online courses, online products, um, online marketing, coaching, or consulting that there's millions to be made based on what you already know or what you could go quickly learn, synthesize, summarize, and share with others. Right. And so that's what that book is about. It teaches people how to find their area of expertise, how to position themselves as experts, how to package their knowledge and content up, how to do promotions, how to partner with others to get the message out in a bigger way and grow revenue and make it more of a difference. But the journey is kind of, uh, well, student leadership guide was like this happy success Life's golden ticket, I felt at the time, was like my big life's mission was to share this story. It's a parable about a man who goes through a dramatic life transformation in his life and is forced on this journey through this abandoned amusement park to face parts of his life he never wanted to face and make a new choice for himself. And I wanted to get that book out to the world. And in some ways, it really succeeded. In other ways, it didn't. And what it taught me was I didn't really know marketing. Because at the same time that was going on, I did my first big live seminar event was waiting for life school to get to come out. And I did a seminar event for college kids down at Walt Disney world resort. And long story short was someone at that seminar filed a frivolous lawsuit afterwards claiming that they got hurt at my event. You know, 19 people signed up for the dates. This person never got hurt. You know, they volunteered matter of fact, all weekend, no problem, no complaint, went back home and figured they could get some workman's comp from their university and take advantage of the situation, which they did. And I knew to ensure the event. I didn't know to ensure the event the days before the event and after the event called load in and load out days. And so I got my shirt taken. And in that process, I went broke. I literally went into bankruptcy. I had to move out of my small apartment in San Francisco into a small apartment with my then girlfriend, who now is my wife. 
And I, at one point, did the one thing that I think everyone does when a major transformation in their life changes is that they do get hungry for something more and they get a greater level of ambition into their life to be something and do something. And my moment came when, uh, one night I'm trying to learn how to do online marketing because what happened was, was, you know, I wanted to fill more seminars and I need to make some money quick. And I said, well, I hear about this online marketing can help. So I'm studying online marketing on my computer in my girlfriend's bedroom in this tiny apartment. And I'm teaching myself to code at the same time, HTML. And I'm working really hard at this, you know, way crazy hours trying to figure it out, trying to turn everything around. And one night Denise comes into the bedroom, you know, it's very late and she comes in and she's trying not to disturb me, you know, as I'm working at this stuff. And she comes to the bedroom, kiss goodnight, walks around the bed and she goes to get under the covers. Well, the apartment was so small and I was working off a three-legged little stool that she goes to crawl under the bed and all of my papers were on the bedspread, including all my bills from this bankruptcy. And she's crawling under the bed and I just, whatever it was, I look over and I see, you know, my lady sleeping under the weight of my own bills. And I was like, never again. Hmm. No, I, I have to fix the situation. Here's my woman trying not to disturb my bills. And it's my bills that are causing this problem in this situation I'm in. I'm going to learn about money. I'm going to learn how people make money. I had to make $33,000 in a month in order to be able to pay off the lawyers and just keep things afloat. I had no idea how people make $33,000 a month. I was like, how do people do that? So I started sort of um, really investigating this industry to say, how are people doing it? I mean, how you hear about these millionaires in information marketing, how do they become a millionaire? How are, like, tell me where the money comes from. Tell me how many sales, sell in what, and how do you do it? And so I start studying everybody's business and paying attention to how they're doing this, interviewing a ton of people, getting into the numbers, and I realized I could do it. I could really do it. And I could do it in a different way that also shared my message with the world. So everything I ever talk about, this interview, every interview I ever do, all the books I write, at the core of that in there is always the emotional transformation I'm trying to get from the reader or the, or share with people I'm, uh, you know, being blessed to be listened to of, did I live and did I love and did I matter? And so all my marketing between those two books completely changed. Life's Golden Ticket came out, did pretty well. Um, but it took a long ramp up time. I didn't know exactly what I was doing. And then in the four and a half years between Life's Golden Ticket and Millionaire Messenger, learned how to launch Millionaire, Ma- write Millionaire Messenger in three and a half weeks, um, get it up online in a week and a half, uh, get partners for it. And from the time I came up with the idea of the book to the time it was number one on the New York Times and number one on Amazon, number one on Barnes and Noble, number one on USA Today was 11 weeks total. And that's what happens when you figure things out and you get really hungry to figure things out. And it's not like, oh, I might go dabble. It's like, no, I'm really going to get into this. I'm going to figure it out. I mean, I'm going to get my fingers dirty. I'm going to pull up in the hood. I'm going to really learn how this engine runs. And that's the day that transformation happens in people's business. They got to get serious about the money, the revenue generation, and the purpose of why they're doing it. Yeah. And that's where people that don't do well are not willing to invest the the time 
maybe they don't have the the marketing stamina. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they undervalue marketing, but you know you are a marketer, and you're. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things I'm going to ask you about too. And I want you to be thinking about, for instance, you know, what if someone is shy and doesn't feel comfortable getting up on stage? How do they get messages out, or should they even look at it? What if they don't feel they can write? What if they don't feel they're articulate at all? You know, can they still? you know, make money with messages, you know, I mean, the the things that are probably going through a lot of people's heads, Um, you know, so think about that. What I I do want to, like, how important is marketing? I mean, you are, I would consider you a superb marketer. You You understand psychology. You teach it as as much of what it is you do. You teach leadership. I mean, you teach a lot lot of things related to success in the the expert space. and since, you know, I love marketing is all about, you know, mostly marketing, um, we're just really trying as much as we can. And I say we, me and Dean, to get people to, um, you know, really put emphasis on this area because I, you know, I think without it, you're, you're kind of screwed unless you're lucky. Yeah, I, agree. I think marketing is it isn't the most important part of the business. It is the business. Period. Yeah. Like, there is no business without marketing. There isn't because no one's coming in the door. No one's buying. And the only thing getting them to come in the door is marketing. And I think it's the most important thing. We are so blessed today that the, that the entire modality of marketing has changed in the last five years so totally and completely and comprehensively that the tools available for marketing are now free, easy, cheap, available to the world. And anybody can use them. Uh, a lot of people fear marketing because of two reasons in my mind. One, they fear it because they say, well, I am not, quote unquote, a salesperson. And the other reason is the tech. They say, oh, I don't know how to do it, especially in the online marketing days, which all marketing today that's decent and can prove high conversions happen online. It's why all ad budgets are moving to online. It's why all major campaigns in any area in any business in the world has gone online and will continue to go even more and more online. And so let's deal with the tech first. People always say, well, the tech is hard. Look, if you can use Facebook and Twitter, then you know enough tech to do anything you would ever want to do online. Because all the tools for marketing today online, all of them have been built on the idea that the user should be able to go in and enter a field or select a button or do something and then hit publish. So if you can fill in the blanks you can market on anything. I do, you know, large scale, multi-million dollar online launches. It requires me to go upload image from the banner of my page, upload video for where I want the video to be, type in your Facebook name for the comments box to appear below, publish. Now I just got to get people to that site, right? Well, so, how does someone, well, then I'm, again, I'm going to play devil's advocate here. So someone wants to, uh, you know, build a website. They don't know how to build a website. What do you mean just hit publish and? That's it. It's like the, 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 the world, all the tools have become like a blog. So all the marketing tools to build anything, like to build a marketing sequence, right? You, you have to have, hire a web designer $25,000 to build you that. Now you sign up for something like optimized press for $95, not $95 a month, $95 once. It's a WordPress theme. You go in, you type in your headline, you upload the image for the banner, you upload the video, you tell them your Facebook account, or if you tell them you want, what kind of comments do you want? What kind of button do you want to appear for the buy now? If you have a buy now, 
and then you literally click a button that says publish and it goes live on the internet. It's there. It's like crazy. That wasn't even available. Another great example, I'll give you one that people are really scared of right now. It's brand new. It's a big deal. One year ago, next month, I launched Total Product Blueprint. It did $4.1 million in 15 days as an online launch. Huge, huge, right? I mean, God. Uh, <laughs> you know, for those who don't know me, I'm from a really small town in Montana. My parents working full-time between the two of them never earned $40,000. And so when I throw out these big numbers of millions, believe me, I am grateful for them. And they also like are shock and awe numbers to me. Um, but that's what's possible today. Anyway, I did a live webcast at the end of that thing a year ago. Okay. With the technology in which, uh, I'm at my studio pointing a camera at me, feeding it into a computer, going up the internet and broadcasting live to anyone who wanted to watch it on the page with, you know, chat roll beneath that people could fill it out. That campaign was a four hour thing that I did that cost that cost $15,000 to pull that off. Last month, I did the same thing, same volume, same number of people looking at it. Everything cost me 50 bucks. Wow. Went in a span of 12 months from 15 grand to 50 bucks. That's how fast technology is. 50 bucks. 50 bucks. That's how fast technology is changing and how simple it is. And I said it the first time it set hours and hours and hours to set it up. And we had to make this talk to this. And it was so hard. This time, it was literally clicking like five buttons it was, it was so fast. It was like, oh my God, the world is advancing so fast. And we just met with the CEO of YouTube today, as you know, and he was even talking about live streaming, you know, the Olympics and YouTube is going to make it ubiquitous to do live streaming in the next couple of years. You will not even, it would be so easy. It'll be as easy as uploading a thing to YouTube. And so the technology is there. The other part that scares people say, well, I'm not a salesperson. And I say, great, good. Cause salespeople suck online. Salespeople, if, if you define yourself as a salesperson solely, you will never be a great marketer. And any great marketer who honestly considers themselves a marketer is also missing a piece of the boat in that your brand, your identity, if you see yourself solely as a marketer, no matter how you define it, is limiting yourself and limiting your identity. You should see yourself uh, let's say, as for example, right in my industry, in the experts industry, the how-to advice category, I say, you're an expert. You're if you don't, if that's too big of a, a word to bite off for people, I say, look, you're a trainer. All of my marketing, a hundred percent of my marketing is training. I put up a video. I'm, I'm going to teach you these five things how to do this, and then I train them on it. Even my sales video that convert, you know, crazy. My sales video says. Hey, I'm, I'm in this video. I'm going to teach you the things you need to know to succeed in this. I have a program for that. If it can help you, great. If not, still watch this video so you know all the elements of the things you will need to know, whether you learn from me or anyone else. At least you'll know what you need to know. And then I just train them on what my product will train them on. Right? I'm just a trainer. I'm a communicator. Um, and I think it's important that people don't see themselves boxed into a thing that most people wouldn't want to raise their hand and say, yeah, yeah, mom, I'm a salesperson. And by the way, I have no problem with sales. You did a great thing. I hope everyone watches it. And, and, and Google's Joe, um, he, he did a YouTube video called is, 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 is sales evil is selling evil is yeah. selling evil. Absolutely. Watch that because I think you do a great job of redefining the word 
selling. And ultimately it's adding value to people and it's giving people something that supports them and serves them. And if you make a profit on it, great. And so I think there's a way to look at it so that you don't feel like that schmarmy salesperson that everyone is so scared of being. You know what? Be a great trainer, educator, visionary, connector, person who adds value to people. And if that's how you have to define being, quote unquote, a salesperson, then good for you. But get over it. I mean, that's why your video is so dang good. It's like, dude, get over it. Here's what selling is and why it's good. And the only thing, the only reason we're doing this interview is because someone sold us this laptop and this microphone and it's a great thing. And I love how you define that. I think people need to look at their business and say, boy, what would happen to my business if I didn't have the opportunity to enroll people and get more people to buy this? You'd be dead. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, I do like the distinction that you actually make too, because if someone thinks that they have to be in front of someone in order to make something happen, then one of the aspects of marketing, at least the type of marketing that we teach, because you can, you, you know, there's probably a million different ways that someone can define marketing, you know, and, and I don't teach, you know, name recognition or brand building for the sake of just getting your name out there. I mean, we use direct response copy intensive, uh, specific offers, speak to the benefits uh, of, of what's, you know, I mean, we, we use compelling language, we create senses of urgency, uh, and, and all of those sort of elements. And if someone um, only thinks that the way that they can do something is they have to be face to face or on the phone or whatever, they don't see the can and clone aspects, the leverageability, you know, like you're, you know, we, one, one of the things you're talking about today at YouTube was, you know, you're a video marketer. I mean, you have made a tremendous amount of, of impact in the world and your videos have been viewed by, you know, it's probably in the millions now um, in, in terms of views of all your stuff. And you you shoot that video once, but it could be watched over and over and over and over again. But a salesperson might be like, well, you know, I, I can't do a video. Oh, okay, so you're going to go and do sales calls for the next year, but you're never going to record this? Yeah. Or, you know, see, like your, your millionaire messenger, everyone's got a story. I mean, you know, you're talking about you got in a car accident and you pulled life lessons mm-hmm. and quote unquote, knowledge, wisdom out of this and you documented it and you started offering it to people. But it's not just as easy as like write a book. Right. You know, the writing the book is only one thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, like one of, one of the things that me and Dean said before we started I Love Marketing was we, you know, we, we had a conversation about let's, let's create a deeper meaning to what marketing even is. Let's bring some respectability to this because the best craftsman person in the world, the most caring person in the world, that alone doesn't make you rich. That alone, you know, sometimes doesn't even make you any money, let alone make you rich. It's not until you can persuade, until you can influence, until you can inspire. Mm-hmm. And let, so talk about that because you think about it a lot. You share, you know, I mean, you train people. Yeah, how to do this, and every single person listening to us right now, if they could add even a five percent increase to everything that they say, write, record, from this point on, if they made it five percent more enthusiastic, more inspirational, more impactful, more engaging, their entire lives would change. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that's true. I think, uh, you know, in order to succeed more, we have to demand more of ourselves. Our natural way of being um, is it's so important to tap into that and be authentic with it. And in order to grow, the only thing that makes us grow is challenge. And we've got to challenge ourselves to push farther than we usually do. And there's no place more than marketing in that because what most people do is they'll say, oh, let's pop on the line and, you know, we'll just kind of blah, 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 blah. And they won't demand themselves to get into a positive state. They won't demand themselves to ask the more intelligent question of how can we do this and do it in a way that inspires more people? How can we do this in a way that demonstrates leadership? How can we do this in a way that that um, helps people believe that they're involved in a movement, that they're involved in something important? That this isn't just some little quick, cool, fun thing to share with their friends, but rather this thing is a significant uh, effort going on that they need to get behind, believe in, support, and do it now. And so, right, can, can you, could, could I sell my seminar ticket by just saying, here's all the things you're going to learn. Yep. But I'm going to take another step around and say, here's all the things you're going to become when you do this. Here's right. all the opportunities you're going to have that you never had before when you do this. And I start painting a picture of a world in which they have more influence. And, you know, we were talking about it today, and I share this a lot uh, with people, is that so much part of your life as a marketer is to raise people's levels of ambition. Right. Get them to see themselves at a higher state in life in which they would need your product or service or how they could, by having your product and service, now operate at a higher state in life. And it's about painting that picture and about imbuing the ambition in them not to falsely raise their hype energy levels, you know, so they can be, you know, buy more stuff. Yeah, of course, you want that to be an outcome as a marketer. However, the magic is when they are truly moved to actually become a better person because you marketed to them. And that's a big, bold statement to say. But that's how I think about my... So when I do a marketing message, I say, well, that's pretty good. But will this move the needle in actually making this person more effective, more happy, more personable, more likely to chase their dreams, more likely to accomplish their dreams, more likely to give to others? Is my marketing message actually adding to the world? Or just being another salesy message. And I think that's the differentiation of what I call, you know, leadership marketing position, which is when your marketing position isn't just, here's my stuff. It's follow me. Soon as you get there, it's a whole different world. And most people are just trying to sell the product service based on what they were taught benefits and features. I say, you're not even selling a product. You're selling an entirely different modality of living in which that person getting your stuff is a better person or equipped to be a better person or equipped to give more. And, you know, the, the, the easel devil's advocate is, okay, I'm selling a, you know, spatula dude. Okay. This sounds really great. Tell me why this helps me selling a spatula. And the answer is, are you selling the spatula? Are you selling the family dinner at Thanksgiving? around the spatula. See, I'm selling Thanksgiving dinner. You're selling the spatula. That's why I win. I'm selling something bigger than the thing itself because people want to think of themselves bigger. People want to be part of something bigger. So give them that in your marketing. 
When you see my marketing for my events, you think you've just tapped into a great hidden unknown about the economy. You never even knew this world existed. And you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be part of that world. That's very different than saying you're going to learn A, B, and C. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. It's I want to be part of that. And, you know, I think that's important that we do that today because that's what it takes to stand out. But also, I think we should all be raising people's levels of ambitions and standards in what we do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just makes it that much more enjoyable. I mean, you know, David Ogilvie, uh, you know, the late David Ogilvie had a great line where he's like, you cannot bore people into buying. Yeah, right. <laughs> Enthusiasm sells, right? The oldest statement in the book about right. Well, yeah, sales. like you know, my buddy Dave Kekich uh, has his Kekich credos, and one of them is uh, enthusiasm covers many deficiencies. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you are actually, if you have your act totally together, like you really are a great service provider, you really have a great product. I mean, you really care. But you have no enthusiasm. Someone that has a shoddy product doesn't really care at all, but just has more enthusiasm actually has an advantage over you. Right. And that's the hardest thing for some people to stomach is like, but I'm really good. I really care. And, you know, well, okay, great. But does the person you're attempting to enroll or buy into what it is you're offering do they feel that? Because right. if you're not evoking that emotion, if you're not getting them intellectually and emotionally engaged, no deal. Right. You don't win the game. Right. It's very true. And and there are so many ways to do your – what makes marketing messages over the course of a campaign effective? And before I get to that answer is – the word is campaign. I mean the, the million-dollar insight in marketing that I got that changed my whole game was the difference between a promotion – and a campaign that changed everything. A promotion well, ex- is explain, explain the a, a promotion is I send out a postcard to all these people to give them this action to go do and buy. That's a promotion. I'm promoting a one time thing to do. A campaign is a series of promotions that leads to a desired end behavior. And so what you do is you string together a, a, a series of promotions that all start different conversations and start and raise different levels of ambition in the consumer so that by the time you ask them to do something, they're like, whoa. You know, it's in online marketing, that's, you know, Jeff Walker's product launch formula. You give them three videos that add tons of value to them, paints a picture of a whole new world, tells them what they could be, what they could participate in, what they could have, do, contribute. And then the last sales video finally says, now, if you like that free stuff, I got this program over here that you can buy. And here's what it does. But it adds value first, then makes the offer. That's a campaign. Most people are just asking for the sale. Right. And I go, don't ask, you know, don't ask for the sale. Don't, don't, you know, don't go for the makeout session or, you know, the sleepover on the first date. You know? Well, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, I guess you can look at I Love Marketing as an ongoing campaign because every week we're just giving people tons of advice uh, for free. Yeah. That's we're, right. not, we're not asking them to buy anything. Will we like it if they do? Of course. Yeah, you're we- adding a ton of value to people. And that's ultimately what it's about. And so I learned that a campaign is everything. And what makes it a, a campaign effective is messaging. 
And messaging is a lot of people say, Oh my gosh, you know, Brendan, he's such a great marketer because he's so loud and crazy and what a weird guy. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about, I genuinely enjoy what I do. I mean, well, you know, it actually is kind of funny. Uh, people, you know, cause people know we're friends and stuff and I'll be at one of your events speaking or you'll be at one of mine or whatever. And, um, people, unlike you, I'm actually very approachable. You know, I don't, I don't go and hide and have bodyguards and shit that, you know, try to keep me from my audience. Uh, and so, you know, I actually got to interact with people. I, I, I'm not at the ego level that you, I'm totally kidding. Uh, Brendan is actually very much cares about his, uh, his clients and participants. Although it, you do seclude yourself. Let's not kid anyone here. So the protection of my voice. <laughs> no, I know. Actually it is. Cause you, you, uh, you know, you're, you, you actually do create, uh, quite a uh a fan fair you know basically uh, i'm trying i'm even forgetting what the hell i was uh going to say do, 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 can you predict? i was telling how crazy i was and you said you you, oh, you know people no no okay so i know it was so people uh like come to me and they'll be like is he you know is this is a show and i'm like he's really like this all the time <laughs> and i'll call you in the morning you're like what's up and I'm like, God, you ever like, what, what, you know, you need to be a genetic freak in order to like have this level of energy. But the point is, is that's what you've trained yourself to do. And yeah. you've developed this. Uh, and, and frankly, I think that has a lot to do with your success and your effectiveness because your clients love you. Yeah. Well, we find out it's it, smart. People find out what they truly enjoy in life and they do that and they find out how they want to feel and they cultivate that like you are like the world's greatest jokester and prankster. You, you, you found out like that brings me joy. So you do it all the time, which right. is great. And it's one reason you're successful. It's like, if we find a, if we find a thing that we do that brings us joy, why not do it consistently? And even sometimes when we're, I mean, there's times I've been with you, you know, you're wiped out and you're tired, but you'll still find a way to make something funny to re-engage yourself and re-engage others. That's, that's a choice. Yeah. And now it's conditioning. Yeah. It was a choice first. It was a commitment second. And then it became consistency third, and now it's conditioned fourth. You know, it builds along yeah. the way. And so I think, you know, yeah, I'm crazy and I'm, I have fun at it, but it's not my enthusiasm that actually wins the day. It's the messaging in that I got, when I was studying leadership in uh, college, I remember reading something that was very, very interesting to me. So I studied how the great leaders in history communicated. And I came across this study that they did, that they, they went out and they interviewed, they basically did a historical analysis and a live culture analysis in which they discovered what were the values that every culture in human history had and have that across all cultures did not matter the culture, did not matter the period in time, that every culture in history valued these things. And I remember seeing that list and I thought, oh my God, if that's what everyone values, then I could speak to that in some way. I will always connect with humanity. Hmm. And so I learned those things. I memorize them to this day. And here's what every single culture in the world has always got. Love, truth, fairness, freedom, unity, tolerance, respect, and responsibility. Those things. You really do have this memorized. So I'm sitting here and you, that's pretty good. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I was 20 years old. I'm like the keys to life right there in a little study. I'm like, unbelievable. That's what people value. So throughout all of my messaging and my campaigns, I'm going to touch on each of those about how 
being a part of what I do or being uh, taking advantage of, of becoming a messenger or an expert, that you will have the ability to move people, that you have to be able to be more transparent, that you have the ability to take responsibility for your life and your choices, to imbue upon other people you know, uh, more respect, be a role model, all these things that ultimately all illustrate those values in one way or another. And it's always been part of my brand since I was 20 years old when I learned that because I thought, that's what I want to stand for. Those are things... You know, no one, it's hard to argue against any of those, right? It's like, I'm against fairness. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but soon as you bring up fairness, everyone will rally around that flag all day long. Because when something is unfair, they will be pissed and they will fight for it. And so find things that people will fight for. What they will fight for are those things. Hmm. Find things that will mobilize people, what, get them in, cause into a movement and aim them to, to, to achieve more of those things. Like, to expose truth is something everyone wants to be a part of. To uh, give and 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 to to give more tolerance and respect, everybody wants. That. I mean, not the right wing, but most people really want that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, everybody truly, genuinely wants those things. So make that part of what you do and see yourself not as a marketer, but of a, as a motivator of human beings. And when you see yourself as a motivator of human beings, you tap into what is it that drives them? What is it that makes them feel fulfilled? What is it that makes them, uh, you know, sense that they're a part of something important? Right. No, I love it. Okay. So here's, here's what I'd like to do. Uh, I'd love, we, we shot a video right outside of YouTube and it was going to be like a setup for this interview. And I said, you know, you're going to learn how to do video marketing from Brendan and you're going to talk about how you do that. So I have to ask you that question. I mean, as you know, as much as, um, I, we can cover it in a short period of time. What are some tips and suggestions? Cause you are really good at putting together video quickly, getting it out there and persuading people to follow you, to buy from you, to, you know, yeah, come to your um, events, that sort of stuff. That's great. Um, what are some tips? Tips. Um, I'll give some performance tips and then some practical what to say tips. Um, performance tips. Uh, the day changed in my life when I realized in real conversations like this interview right here, this is all one take. Mm -hmm. I realized when I was on stages speaking, that was one take. Seminars, one take. When you're meeting with people, you get one take. You're not going to go, oh, wait, I'm sorry I said that. Can I start over? What happens to people where they get messed up doing video when they're trying to do it? is their mind is giving them permission to screw up because they say, ah, we'll just edit that out. And I realized my mind was giving me a self-fulfilling prophecy. It was saying, don't worry, you can mess this word up. You can cut it out later. Oh, just stop this. And I found myself stopping and starting, stopping and starting. Anyone who hates doing video hates it because they have to stop and start, stop and start. And I realized when you're on stage, you don't get that. So I started looking at the lens like my seminar attendees or like I was a speech or like I was a meeting. The way the general metaphor I use is look at the lens like it's your buddy at a barbecue. When your buddy at a barbecue comes over and you're talking to him, you don't, you don't talk to him. They go, oh, wait, you know that sentence I just said? Let's cut that out and start over. You just talk. Right. And so I said, I'm going to do all my videos, one take wonders. And I'm going to look at the lens like it's my buddy at a barbecue. And another trick is to speak not to the lens, through the lens. Speak, look at the lens, but speak as if you're trying to project to the wall behind that. Because the louder you speak, the more articulate you become, believe it or not, because it slows down your speech pattern, gives you one extra or two extra couple milliseconds to come up with your thought. And so speaking louder allows you to come up with just a few more seconds of thought and you get it out there. It also projects better on video on the other side. 
Nothing worse than a whispering video. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. speak loud, project through the camera like I'm talking right now. I'm right through this camera. Right? Actually, watch any of my videos. Go to expertsacademy.com and you'll see me go, hey, everybody, it's Brendan Burchard. It's almost the level that sounds like I'm screaming. I'm not, but I'm speaking through the camera um, as a friend. That's really important. Another thing that makes videos personable, you're talking to person at your barbecue. Second is a level of, um, a level of occasion. I want you to speak like this is an important occasion for them. Not just like, Hey everybody. Just like, Hey everybody. Like I want them to know this is important. Pay attention. This could transform your life. Third, I always teach frameworks. The one reason I'm here isn't the enthusiasm. It's the frameworks. Always structure your content so that there's, you know, you're going to, I'm going to teach you five things in this video. There's going to be six things you're going to learn. I'm going to teach you four parts of this. I'm going to teach you phase one of that, phase two of this. I'm going to teach you the seven habits of this. I mean, so break it down so that they know what's coming. Hmm. And you go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So they actually feel like they learned something. If you just talk, they don't, they don't like, uh, like this interview would be better if we told them specific questions we were going to answer. And then we taught like a framework in terms of how they would, uh, the takeaways, then they'd write down one through 10 and in their notepads, they'd have one through 10. And when people have one through 10 on their notepads, they feel like they learned a lot. Well, I mean, but honestly, this interview would have been better if I was interviewing Frank Kern. <laughs> <laughs> totally true. <laughs> no, we actually just... Uh, we, so pick your subject. <laughs> no, we just uh, interviewed Frank and Evan recently too, That's which great. is funny because... You're friends with all these goofballs. Yeah. but So there it is. I mean, at the end of the day. No, that's like, actually, that is really, really good advice. That, what you just said, um, that alone is worth people listening to yeah. this interview because I know there's many people that that has freed them from, you know, getting this shit right and even doing it. Yeah. So Teach five things and then last piece is end your videos, your audios, your speeches, your seminars, your coaching sessions, your live meetings, whatever you end, always end it on the crescendo on the high note. And when you do that, you know, it's that psychology of relevancy. People remember the last 30 seconds more than they remember the last 10 minutes. And so you want to end your videos with an emotional charge to them, no matter what you're teaching. And they will always want to come back for it. So watch my videos at the end. You see me ramping up about 30 seconds out every time. Build, 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 bam, this thing's over. And it leaves wow. you like, that's why people go, man, is there another one I can watch? They want to watch it right now because they're on such a good emotional place. That's great. That's good. Um, okay. So, uh, I'm, I, this is good because I'm just going to leave it. So if I, we do a follow up with you, um, you know, we'll have more to talk about because I think we're done. Cool. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. So your, uh, your, your book, your next book, which is going to be coming out real darn soon by the time we're actually uh, going to, you know, put this interview out. Yeah. Um, what's it called? What's it about? Uh, the book is called The Charge, Activating the 10 Human Drives That Make You Feel Alive. And it's a book that kind of changes the conversation about uh, human ambition and achievement today in that we all have now in an abundant society, we all have what we need to be happy, productive, and fulfilled. But most people feel kind of restless right now. And like there is something more, but they're not sure what to grasp it or where it is. And the challenge is we've all been taught to do, uh, to, 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 you know, activate our human needs. Like if, if we follow Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we've all been taught as a culture, do what you need and you'll be happy. Well, we have so much choice today. No one does what they need. They do what they want. And in a society where we have more choice, what is it that actually 
activates us? What is it today that makes us feel more motivated, more productive, more confident, and more fulfilled? And it's very different than what it was 10 years ago or 30 years ago because society's abundance and definitions have changed, and so has we. And so here's the, the thing is there's 10 human drives that make us feel alive. There's baseline drives that are basic biological automatic needs and responses. Then there's the forward drives, the things that advance us in life, that make us feel really alive. They're not as easy, though. They actually challenge us. They push us a little further. For example, challenge is one of them. You want to feel alive? One of the reasons most people don't feel fully engaged in their life is they're not challenged appropriately. If they were challenged appropriately, they'd find moments of flow and they'd find moments in which they are totally engaged in what they're doing. All sense of time loses and they get excited about something. But most people, they're scared to take on more challenges because their plate is full, but their plate is full with meaningless things. But if, if their plate was full with meaningful things, right. they would be more engaged. And the, the way to do that is put a bigger challenge on people. And then another thing is creative expression. How much are you creating and expressing yourself in a way that allows you to feel fully expressed in life? Because if you don't, you feel suppressed. And feeling suppressed leads to depressed. And so we got to figure out what are the things that are going to actually make you feel creatively expressed in your life? Contribution's a big one. We all know that. But there's five parts of a contribution feeling like a contribution. There's You've met volunteers who are unhappy. Right. So giving is not the answer to feeling like you're contributing. There are things you have to do to feel an internal sense of contribution and fulfillment. We talk about those in the book. So the book, I think, is really going to change the conversation because most people actually don't know what drive them. But more importantly, even if they know it's a drive, they're probably misactivating that drive. Most people know control. We all want control. It's a human drive to have more control or certainty about our days. But the more that we seek to have that, the less happy we end up being. It's almost counterintuitive. So what if you're going to control anything in your life, what should you actually control to feel more alive, fulfilled, and happy. That's the type of stuff that's in the book. That is awesome. So, um, yeah, that's pretty good. Well, what, I, what I'd like to do is, out of all the things that you have and that you've developed, um, even talk about the association. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's just one of those things you, uh, you know, at some point you realize where you can give back to, um, what you've been given, but you also, you, you realize at some point in your life that you, you should help a lot of other people, you know? And what I realized was, you know, like experts academies, thousands of dollars, most people can't afford to go there. And I thought, why can't we just give away free information in this industry? So the people who want to learn how to be an author, speaker, coach, seminar leader, online marketer, or trainer can become that. So I put together the Experts Industry Association. You're on the board. We have a lot of people who really stepped up and became founders of this program with us. Jack Canfield, uh, David Bach, Dan Amen, Frank. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There's, you know, 20 some people who really stepped up, leaders in the field who said, let's teach this some, let's teach some stuff for free. And people really rallied around it. So we started the Experts Industry Association. And I think it's going to be a very, 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 um, welcome thing to the industry so that people can learn how to do all this for free. Cool. Cool. And, um, with, 
you know, you're actually going to be speaking at um, one of my 25K annual events. Um, you're, you actually are in 25K, which thank you very much. And thank you're you. awesome. And all of your events, which I've been to many, are very, very good. Highly, highly recommend um, to our listeners that if you want real immersion and real training in a, a very short, condensed, very uh, high energy uh, you know, you're not going to get much sleep, but you'll, you'll, you'll walk out of there. You'll walk out of there learning how to be better. Uh, and you, you've you've created some world class experts. Now you've taken people that were already extraordinarily skilled in in many you know um, New York Times bestselling authors already, and you actually have taught them how to be you know, infinitely better, more profitable, et cetera, et cetera. So um, well, we are doing an event in August that you're going to be at. That's August 8th and 9th in New York City. Uh, if people want info on that, you know, just contact my my office at uh, Piranha Marketing. Um, find that at my joepolish.com uh, phone number and all that jazz. But basically, uh, I want to ask you, where's the best place for people to start with you? Um, read your books. Um, yeah. what, what do you recommend? Um, videos online yeah, you can I, direct I think, you them know, to that would be the... Yeah, I'll give them um, uh, my books. And we're friends, so I'll give out my free sites. So um, if you want to learn about Experts Academy and this idea of becoming a highly paid expert, author, speaker, coach, seminar leader, online marketer, go to millionairemessenger.com, which is the book site. But go to millionairemessenger.com forward slash free, and you can get the book for free. You pay shipping and handling, but you get the book for free. Um, my new book, which is more on the self-help success genre, um, but it's, I think, absolutely critical that every marketer read it because you finally understand the drives that actually drive people and how to activate them. That book is called The Charge. And so you can go to thechargebook.com forward slash free. And you can also get that book there free. Again, you pay shipping and handling. This is the, the links I give to all my friends all the time. I'm like, happy to send you a book. Just you pay the shipping to your house. Right. And so you go to those sites, you'll get that. And you also get some training videos along with that for free that go along with it. Um, full disclosure, at some point you'll get an offer from me sometime because you're subscribed to my list if you buy my book. But um, there it is. You can get a free book. And I think it will really help people think through these concepts we talked about in the interview. Okay, now you need to end this interview with some very enthusiastic sort of thing so they just want to come back and listen to more I Love Marketing forever. Yeah, um, well, Joe Polish is here. Right? Everybody no, no, I mean, yeah, yeah, no, there's, I, no there, I mean, that in and of itself should be enough, but yeah. it, usually it isn't. You know, um, I, I think at the end of the day, in all things in marketing and in all positioning in your business, you know, I have this saying of never let your small business make you small-minded. And there's a lot of people, you're listening to this, you have the ability to absolutely change the world. You have the ability to start movements. You have the ability to grow your business by a factor of 10. You have the ability to give back to your community. You have the ability to take care of your family in ways you never imagined possible. All of doing that requires learning how to market a message. If you don't know how to market a message, whether it's a cause message or a business building message, then you cannot build what you want to build. You can't have the fulfillment that you really deserve in life by having a level of achievement that actually reached the masses. Now, of course, we can all sit here and bliss out and just decide to be happy. I believe in presence. I believe in gratitude and, and doing that. But I also believe that we were gifted with a prefrontal left cortex to look into the future and to design the world better as we could see it. And I think it's part of all of our mission to do that. And you can't do that unless you can market a message. So that's why you got to keep listening to this type of programming. It's free and you have the ability now to put these types of things into play, get better and better at marketing and make more of a difference. Awesome. That was fantastic. 
Thank you very much, Brendan. Um, glad we had an opportunity to do this. Uh, we're going to do a follow-up at some point with me, you, and Dean. And uh, on behalf of uh, all of my listeners out there, sorry that Dean wasn't here uh, because usually I like making fun of him. And That's all right. I got to talk more. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and seriously, read, read Brendan's books. Uh, they're awesome. And for as far as content, uh, you, you know, there's very few people that give as much value and as much content in such a period of time. And I think you're a great model for people to look at um, who's doing it right, that really does care about people. And uh, I think you're way too damn enthusiastic. But that being <laughs> said, the content is awesome. You really know your stuff. And you deserve all of the success you've created because I know you've really put a lot of work into it. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. Really appreciate it. Thanks, buddy.